the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we uh, move on with uh, the second half of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki, on the left. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Henry? You there, Henry? I think we might have lost Henry. Oh. Well, I'll have to try and get him back on the line, but we also have uh, with us East Village Magazine editor Jan Worth Nelson. Um, Yeah. Good discussion today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're actually uh, running a tad behind. I'm going to try and... uh, I'm going to take just a moment and try and call Henry and see if we can get through. Oh, I'm 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 here. Oh, oh there you are. <laughs> Good. Oh, thank you. Good deal, Henry. Okay. Yeah, I I just I just uh, had to. You stepped away from the phone and missed your introduction. That's what happened. Oh, uh, thank you, Tom. <laughs> I I really love the show and I love you guys. You guys are the best. Thank you. <laughs> you are. You are too, Henry. Hello. Hello. Sorry, guys. I uh, okay. I was taking a phone call here. Okay. No, you're not. Okay, I'm just looking to get an email uh, address for uh, Mr. Tom Sumner. We're kind of putting something together here, so I was just looking for an email address. Okay, it's uh, T underscore Sumner at Comcast.net. And we are on the air now. (laughs) Well, I'm not, am I? Well, off in the distance, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, beautiful. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Speak of the devil, that was the uh, Genesee County Sheriff's Department uh, needed my email. I I hope it's not for a warrant of some kind. But, but, uh, no, I suspect they're updating their... uh, their media list. They must be listening to the program and didn't like something we said. You know, I I remember one time uh, 
and and this is kind of parenthetical, and we'll we'll move on and get into affairs of state and some national headlines here in a moment. But uh, I uh, got done doing the show one morning, and I had been especially tough on the uh, Flint Regional <laughs> Chamber of Commerce, ah. and uh, I got when I got off the air, I noticed an email <laughs> from their communications director that said today's show in the subject line and i thought oh boy here it comes yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of those letters and i opened it up and it was where did you get that tequila spot that is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite spots by the way i get a, always get a I kick like on that. that whenever you run that one i get a lot of i get a lot of compliments on it that's why i'm still using it after all these years <laughs> But a record uh, 2.5 million votes were cast in Michigan's primary as people took advantage of no-excuse absentee voting amid the coronavirus pandemic, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said Thursday. The count surpassed the previous record of 2.2 million from 2018 when, unlike Tuesday, there were contested statewide contests for governor and U.S. Senate. Nearly one-third of the state's voting age population participated. About 1.6 million ballots were absentee, returned by mail or at drop boxes, topping the record of 1.3 million from November 2016. So we've got, in this primary election, 1.6 million, which was higher than the number of absentee ballots from a presidential election mm -hmm. in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so, what does that mean for November 2020? A trend. We're gonna, a trend. It's going to be an avalanche. I think we're going to have a dramatic, yeah. significant increase. Yes. Uh, and I think that's all good news. Do you think we'll have the results by Christmas? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I was surprised this time. I mean, there was a bit of a delay, but when, when push came to shove, we had all the results by, what, Wednesday afternoon. Again, that was a little later than usual, but it was not as bad as some people thought. But, but we, were up and, we were in the upper 90s by the usual time, percentage-wise. Um, but what surprises me, Tom, about all of this, there has been no angry... Um, challenges to that election by right. Democrats or Republicans or by people who don't know the system. Yeah, no no <laughs> cries of foul. No cries of foul. And that's a good sign. Hey, but but yet, yet it has to be determined whether uh, there is graft in it later by people who take a look at it closer. I, I you thought know, there, there was one election, one, one race in that election last week that was very close, and I, I have not heard anybody asking for a recount that I'm aware. I think it was one of the judicial races, I believe. It's like a thirty-vote spread between the winners and losers. Well, it was pretty close. The, the the county board of commissioners' second district seat that we talked about last hour was very, very close. Maybe the, maybe that's what I'm thinking. I know there was between one was Winfrey and Clack. I was waiting for a recount call, yeah. but I have not seen a story to that effect yet, or I haven't heard any mention of a recount from anybody. So I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've heard no serious complaints about fraud. And, that, and frankly, the more I look at this, this mail-in stuff, as much as I, I enjoy going in person to the to voting, and I've always done that for the most part. But the more I look at the, the mail-in, I think it's got some real advantages. Um, huh. 
you know, not, not only does it deal with the, the COVID crisis in some ways and, and minimize that, but it gives you a chance to study the ballot in a way you don't have when you're in the, the voting booth for a few minutes. And you've got a paper record, and so that's going to take care of all the worries about somebody hacking into a computer system. So I think, you know, again, comparatively speaking, it's got some real advantages, I think. Yeah, and I think there's a sign that the American people, if I can use that word without uh, too much disaster, but I think that they're accepting the fact that they can vote safely by mail. Yeah, thank you, Henry. Well, without you, um, I don't know where my position would be, but you helped to stabilize and give me a, a view of accuracy that's well, there are some changes being recommended by uh, uh, city clerks and, and members of the Michigan Association of Municipal Clerks Yeah, um, yeah. talking about uh, some bills that are working to allow clerks to do a certain amount of prep before the counting time. As it happens now, they're not allowed to start voting until the polls open on Election Day. And, and they still... Um, but the way the law reads, they can't break the seals. So Maybe they can't begin counting, not yeah. voting. Counting. Yeah, right, right. Counting. That's that's what I yeah. meant. Thank um, you. Yeah. What they're um, what they're proposing is that they be allowed to open these and prepare them in piles to feed to the tabulators mm-hmm. a day or two or three in advance you know, as they yeah. come in, mm-hmm. that they can prepare the stuff to make the voting go easier. They're, they're already trying to use high-speed uh, tabulators and so on. And anyway, it, it seems to me that it's reasonable to re- request those, uh, those changes and, and to adopt those changes. But what do you think? Should those changes be adopted or should they wait till Election Day and... Uh, Open the okay, I have a couple things to say on that. First of all, it would seem I wanted to give a shout out to the ACLU and those plaintiffs in Flint and and Judge Bell actually um, for demanding through court, you know, through going to the courts that um, the Flint City Clerk's Office would get their act together. I think uh, that mm-hmm. made a difference. I think that you know. Um, what they saw happening in the Flint City Clerk's Office was was truly alarming and of concern. So, I mean, it's a it's a micro uh, spotlight on the process of democracy that we have to really be concerned about. And whatever the reasons are for the problems that have been in the City Clerk's Office, it had to be responded to. So, I think that had an effect on what how it worked out this time, and I'm grateful for that. And my larger point is. I hope that this is a year, that this, the next 80 days, the Republican Party will remember its roots and to remember that acts to, acts to denigrate a 250-year process that's, that's been fought for uh, in the election process and to try to do things to keep people from voting um, is just shocking and intolerable and the republican party there's it seems to me really need to stand up for what they've stood up for all these years it's just shocking this year that they're not fighting for better 
But I don't know whether the Republican Party can accept guilt for all of that. Democrats have done their part too. For example, right now, in, right, they need to be they need to be talking to their guy. They need to be yes. talking to their and they need to be they need to be advocating for the democratic process to not be obstructed and they're not so, and i agree I mean, with you jan i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. but you gotta you gotta balance that criticism because i've seen some ugly stuff that wasn't true that democrats pull there have been a great many but, attempts in recent years to limit the the chance of voting not not just yeah. the, the mail-in stuff but uh you know the the voter ids the uh Closing voting, closing polling places in certain neighborhoods, those kind of things have happened an awful lot. But, guys, I don't see the problem with voter ID. I have never gone into a voting place that they didn't ask me for my ID. And just right, like, no, that, but that's not really the issue on the table this year. It's the mail-in voting and the obstruction, the, re, the reducing of funding yeah, to yeah. the... I mean, my, my point, Henry, is if the Democrats push back, regardless of who's to blame on this... If the mm-hmm. Democrats push back, the result from the White House is just going to be resistance, yeah. counter and th- so the Republican leadership now are the ones that have the influence, and they're yep. not used. So, I mean, uh, the Dem- of course the Democrats are going to be screaming. I hear you, know, you Jan, because I think that when you talk, you speak with veracity, and you speak uh, to serve the interests of institutions and the people. We're, we agree on that. I mean, yes. you're, you have the same perspective, I think. Hey, we've got a break coming up in a couple of minutes, but I'm going to squeeze uh, a, a little something uh, from this last election in before we go to break. Um, it looks like Sri Tanadar is headed to the uh, State yeah. House of Representatives in the uh, 30, 3rd State House District, um, replacing term-limited uh, Representative Wendell Byrd, a Democrat uh, uh, from that district, who um, and and uh, Tanadar won. Um, there were eight people running in that primary, but he won the primary, and it's considered to be a shoe in in November. Yeah. Did you think uh, Sri Tanadar would be back? Uh, I thought so. I in did. Fact, I, as I, I watched so. that, I was struck by how much money he poured into that race. But yeah, I, I'm not surprised that he won. And given the way he handled himself when he ran for governor, I, I thought he'd be looking for a new opportunity somewhere. Yeah, and he was determined. He was determined yeah. not to let anything, race or age or profession or anything, interfere with him. Well, he's he got. He was on goal. He was on target. Clearly, he's got the bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'll be seeing him in public office for years to come. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, as I mentioned, we have a break coming up, but we're going to continue with our uh, political roundtable armchair politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner program with uh, Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when uh, when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's still lots more armchair politics straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. I was telling you a little while ago about my wife, and I don't want you to be confused, but we were, I've been married more, more than once. In fact, I've been married three, three times. But my first two wives each died a very tra- tragic death. My first wife died from eating po- poisoned mushrooms. And my second wife died from a fractured skull. She wouldn't eat her mushroom. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsi than flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we uh, continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And this just in, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, um, the Flint Police uh, choice, and I just got an email that says there will be a press conference at 2 p.m. today. Oh. And so I think we're not going to have to wait very long for our answer on that. Um, But uh, let's see, moving on... um, a Michigan UAW official and team leader at General Motors uh, Lake Orion plant will speak at the Democratic National Convention next week as presumptive nominee Joe Biden continues a push to make bolstering the U.S. auto industry a key part of his campaign. Gerald Lang, a 47-year-old vice president of UAW Local 5960 in uh, Lake Orion, has been invited to speak as part of the convention, which will be held from various locations and online starting next Monday and concluding next Thursday. It was not immediately known when Lang would speak. The convention, originally scheduled to be held in Milwaukee, was decentralized and largely moved online because of concerns of spreading coronavirus. Does this help Biden in Michigan? Oh, I think well, so. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Uh, Biden has the momentum in Michigan, uh, but uh, there's nothing going to impede that. In fact, in fact the, the, what, what worries me a little bit is that the polls are so strong, I hope people don't get overconfident. I've noticed that the uh, Republicans have cut back spending for commercials in Michigan compared to what Biden's been spending lately. And as I say, I, I, my only worry is that all those, those strong polls for the Democrats might make people feel overconfident, as they were to some degree, I think, in 2016. And, and I'm, I'm curious... Um, does anybody know exactly uh, when and how to watch the debates? Is is uh, this online version going to take us back to a day of gavel-to-gavel coverage somewhere? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not. I've not gotten any emails or any messages about exactly <laughs> one one single location of of, of where it's going to be. That's true. Uh, you know, the internet. And technology gives us many permutations as to how this is going to be done. And people who are putting it together will have it together so that we can observe and we can enjoy it. Thanks to technology. I just wondered yeah. if anybody knew yet if it, you know, if it was going to be C-SPAN or if you had oh. to go to some online platform you know, <laughs> in order to watch it. Um, it, it I'll, I'll be looking to see. Who's be- got the biggest check? <laughs> well, yeah, there's always that. Yeah. Um, well, I the think com- the networks are going to be uh, plugged in. I think the networks are going to be plugged in so that we can watch it if you're a TV watcher. Uh, some way, you know, they'll be streaming it, I think. Don't, don't you think? I, well, I, I would, would think, think so. so. And and also, um, this is an interesting opportunity for the, the two parties to get some TV time that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise because uh, TV outlets are, are having a difficult time with good programming. That's also true, yeah. <clears throat> and because of, of the different nature of this convention, that almost un- is a news story unto itself. Compared to the, you know, in, in recent years, they, they've cut back major network coverage of the conventions to the evening. It used to be gavel-to-gavel coverage. 
but in recent years it's been just a few hours in the evening. This may be different enough to to actually gain more coverage in some ways because of the unique quality of the of the conventions this year. Yeah. Well, the commission tasked with planning the general election presidential debates pushed back against the Trump campaign's request for a fourth debate earlier in the cycle on Thursday, noting that they will only back an additional meeting if both the candidates agree to the contest. The letter from the Commission on Presidential Debates released on Thursday effectively says there will be no fourth debate unless both President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden agree to an additional contest and the commission decides to sponsor the event. Trump's campaign has been calling for a fourth debate in early September for weeks. It formalized that request on Wednesday with a letter to the commission. The letter written by former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who represents the Trump campaign on debate issues, argued that the current debate schedule was an outdated dinosaur and not reflective of voting realities in 2020. He noted, he, he noted that millions of Americans will have the ability to vote early before the first general election debate in late September. And that, and that raises a fair question, I think. Does earlier voting make earlier debates a reasonable request? It's, it, it sounds like it would. Yeah, yeah, probably would. Although this this year especially, you have to wonder how many people are truly undecided compared to earlier years. Uh, I was struck by the fact that in again in 2016, by almost almost every estimate, Hillary won those debates, but in the end, didn't make any difference. So for all the media attention we give to debates, and they're they're fascinating and interesting, and and they have been consequential in the past here and there. But I really wonder how how big a an effect they're going to have this year, unless there's some dramatic mistake that somebody makes or things of that nature. Well, I think the people who are going to vote in this election, most of them have already decided how they're going to vote. I think you're vote. right. I think you're right, Henry. Yeah. And, but and that, most of but the voters are fairly impervious to the other side's statement of position. <laughs> it seems like... Uh, Nobody's saying, oh, yeah, now I agree with you. You know, oh, I didn't for the last four years, but, oh, now I see. Now I see the truth. Okay. Well, that's certainly, that's certainly true of the, um, uh, of the bases in both camps. Um, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But, but, there are, but there are a lot of votes out there that can be swayed one way or the other. And how, I wonder, I mean, I'm... I'm kind of looking forward to them in a weird way, but how I, do you I, think I enjoy watching them too. Yeah, although the same you know, I'm I, I just I'm afraid that um, Biden's going to say something stupid. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> would make that, that wouldn't make any difference. That you got worry. a strong vice president there. I don't think Joe Biden can make all kind of gaffes, and I think the American people who are going to vote for him are going to vote for him, even if he made a gaffe that would gag a maggot. <laughs> <laughs> that expression. With, with um, on, an, on another, uh, on a different topic, with stimulus talks stalled, President Donald Trump announced he would go around Congress to deliver aid to Americans affected by the pandemic. 
but a close read of the actual text of executive actions he signed Saturday suggests that even if they are deemed constitutional, they will not quickly deliver the aid Trump promised. They may not deliver much at all. Does the president have the power to do this, or is he shaming Congress into action? You know, if he's the Mr. Dealmaker, well, first of all, yes, I think he's probably trying to shame the Congress into right. it, but... But um, if he's this big deal maker, why wasn't he involved? I mean, he yeah, basically he, he was just, he was AWOL during much of the process. Uh, he was AWOL. So, like, is this where he? It has to be. I am the one. You know, it's like our dear leader that's going to say, "Here it is." And so that would be one of my reactions. The other reaction I have is from everything I've read, all four of those actions were of questionable. Um, effect, positive effect, uh, questionable legality. Um, again, it's an autocratic action to try to take the fundraising away from the Congress, which we all know that's in their ballpark. And admittedly, they're all fumbling it on their end, but I don't think what he has done has been the right response. I think he needs to, if he's this big deal maker, he's gone out, out it, about it in a totally autocratic and, and ineffectual way, which is a bad combination. Yeah, I mean, some of those things, they, for example, the move to, to end evictions was a matter to study an attempt to end evictions. Well, that's nice, but what's the study going to prove? And the, uh, the uh, $300 for individuals had to be matched by the states, and many states don't have the funds to match that. So where that's going to go is hard to say. So, uh, and, it's, and some of the other things were just simply delayed uh, uh, tax payments, that are going to be recouped at some point in the, in the future anyhow. Actually, Trump did say later that uh, he would be open to um, dropping the, the state match requirement. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, but is he, re- he's, is he really the appropriations branch of government? I right. mean, uh, Henry, the, I, I really have appreciated during our conversation today you're mentioning about the Constitution early in our discussion his, are his actions constitutionally sound from your perspective? I think that's for you, Henry. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I was writing down a comment here. Again, please explain well, again uh, about the I, Constitution. I was saying that I had appreciated your remarks about the Constitution earlier today in, in the show. and I, So I yeah. wondered in this part of the conversation, do you think that Trump's actions are constitutionally sound right now? Um, well, I'd better bypass on that. <laughs> I don't blame you because I think every president pushes that uh, that window a, a little uh, a little Yeah, I mean harder. Obama did it. Obama, you know, if if you want to criticize the executive order here, it's not just about Trump. Uh, but but now we are in the time of Trump, and so that's what we have to respond to. Mm-hmm. Ted, but he, Teddy Roosevelt built the West Wing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the you know, Canal. one of the things that we're missing was in all of this optimism that Joe Biden will be our next president with Kamala Harris, we're overlooking the element of the people out there who are afraid to reveal the sentiment for president. We're, we don't, we haven't heard from the... the um, uh, the middle of the road people who uh, don't, who are not engaged in this political 
uh, tug of war. I'm glad you so clarified middle. I'm glad you clarified middle of the road people, Henry, because I, as you were talking, I was thinking Trump people don't ever seem to be too concerned about expressing their opinion. Right. Yeah. There, yeah, there there's a, uh, there's an element there that the Republicans can kind of hope will send the election in their favor. The people who are not saying anything. Both Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, black and white, those are those yeah, elements I, that we have to consider. Yeah, I uh, think you're right. I think um, that there's a whole group that are exhausted by all of the all of all of the drama that's been going on, and are probably having some of their own views, and they're struggling with what to do about their kids going to school. They're struggling about whether their mother has COVID. Um, you know, they're struggling on whether they're going to lose their job or maybe they already have. So there's a ho- there's millions of people that fall into that category. And Lord only knows at this point which way it's going to go. I, I, I feel the same. I feel the same weight of, of those millions of people that are out there struggling right now, Henry. I do. Yeah. Well, here's something that... Uh that, that caught my attention. The U.S. intelligence community's top election security official said in a statement Friday that China prefers an outcome where President Donald Trump is not reelected in November and Russia is working to denigrate former Vice President Joe Biden's White House bid. We assess that China prefers that President Trump, whom Beijing sees as unpredictable, does not win re-election, said William Evanina, director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, in a statement updating the election threat landscape heading into the November election. China has been expanding its influence efforts ahead of November 2020 to shape the policy environment in the United States. pressure political figures it views as opposed to China's interests and deflect and counter criticism of China. We assess that Russia is using a range of measures to primarily denigrate former Vice President Biden and what it sees as an anti-Russia establishment. This is consistent with Moscow's public criticism of him when he was vice president for his role in the Obama administration's policies on Ukraine and its support for the anti-Putin opposition inside Russia, Evanina added. Evanina also stated that Iran is seeking to undermine U.S. democratic institutions, President Trump, and to divide the country. In essence, Evanina's statement Friday afternoon put two of the biggest American adversaries on opposite sides of the election, Russia for Trump and China for Biden. Are U.S. presidential candidates going to start seeking endorsements of uh, foreign countries and world leaders? <laughs> Sounds like they're running, the, they're shaping the policy, uh, they're shaking, shaping the mood. Yes. And, the, uh, you know, and I believe that Antifa and Black Lives Matter are all influenced by China and by Russia. I agree. I think some of the hate speech we see is planted because they want divisiveness yes or some, yeah okay well and well, what and, and, and what this and what this guy is saying this uh, intelligence officer is saying is that um, that there's an attempt to 
create divisiveness, but also push uh, it in a particular direction. In the case of China, against Trump, and in the case of Russia, against Biden. But this is nothing new. This has been going on for years and years and years. Uh, but we see it, more people can see it being played out right now. Antifa and Black Lives Matter uh, that seem to have gripped the um, traditional institution and moving in a way that they demand. Well, okay, so this is something that requires great care and, and attention. Yes. And yes. I think that what the, the, tr- the, the tricky part about what you're alleging is that it begins to make it look like people who dissent against the president are somehow tools of the communists, let's say. Or as my Which, grandmother would say, they're communists. Yeah. So there, I don't think I, it I can be that simple. Actions need to be extremely responsible and careful about yeah. who they're being influenced by. But I also think that we have to be really careful that we don't just jump to labeling dissent as somehow um, traitorous. Okay. No, I, I, that's not what I meant. I, I don't mean that way. Uh, Any side of this discussion can be... Elbow? Pardon? I think because of the president's actions, again, I'm going back to the tone of this administration, yeah. suddenly it's like this free-for-all that anybody can come in and get involved and there's no message from the top that says you do not do this. And yeah. even but, if, and even if the message of the top, from the top was you do not do this to the United States, stay the heck out of our elections, which has never been said by officially. Um, it's really, it is really hard now to prevent it anyway. Uh, I don't see anybody really working diligently to try to prevent it like the the message has been hey if they're if they're going to work to get me reelected come on in buddies you know so i it's really messy and and i agree with you there probably are influences that are coming in into the protest movement um uh, but so i would say both sides have to be proceed really carefully but you, i've often you, wondered whether you, or not to what degree some of the some of the uh, the vandalism and, and violence in in the black lives matter protests are caused by folks who want to discredit the yeah. Black Lives Matter idea. There's at least one it. case is verified of that. I forget where yeah. it was. But yeah. But my yeah. argument is not my not not shaped for those kind of uh, directions. My my argument is shaped uh, that both Republicans and Democrats must be cautious. Right. I agree. About yeah. this and and. Uh, if if they're uh, some kind of way undermining American diplomacy of policies uh, to enable or abate, uh, shape uh, Black Lives Matters or uh, Antifa, then we got to be careful. And, and and nobody is above criticism in that. Democrats or Republicans. Agreed. But I think I, I think the electorate owes its owes itself uh, owes it to itself. To read the first 200 pages of the Mueller report, and no, and yeah. use that as as sort of um, a, a cautionary tale about what things um, to believe that you read uh, or see on um, social media, especially. Yeah, yeah social right. media has made it so much easier to do these kind of things these days. It it, it might change the way you vet the information you consume. 
Right. Thank you. Yeah. And I, that's what Henry seems to be saying, too. So I, I, th- I think so. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Russians and the Chinese have admitted that they, they're doing this, and there's nothing we can do about it. We're so divided. Uh, there, there are people that say, the, well, Republicans are white, and they are against blacks, and so on and so forth. Now, anybody hearing this kind of argument is going to listen to it and move in a direction that benefits them. That's what I'm afraid of. And that's what we have to be careful. It's that conversation that goes on within side government, yeah. inside our philosophy of government. Any, yeah, what you're saying is rock solid. Um, do you think that there's anybody at the top level of the, the administration who feels that urgency that you do and who is saying, we've got to be careful, number one, but number two, outsiders stay the heck out? And yes, that's what I mean. So, so who, who, is, who is representing that, that position in the top levels of the administration? It's, I mean, we all, all four of us agree how important it, that it is. Depends, it depends, um, Jan, on, on who makes the list uh, top people in the uh, government or in the administration. If you include agency officials and... Uh, and other staffers, I, I think they're pretty diligent in uh, telling their counterparts to back off or things will happen. Um, but what we're not seeing is, uh, you know, a president or a vice president or, or leaders of the legislature that are coming out on television and saying, you know, if you do this, there will be hell to pay. Right. No, nobody's mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. The country is in free fall right now. Well, it appears that way, but when you talk to Mark Everson, he seems to think that people behind the scenes are keeping it from (laughs) completely dismantling and (laughs) making sure that the trains run on time and all that. (laughs) There's a a role for the deep state. But but, but we're we're still concerned. What did you just say, Henry? I, I said we were in free fall. Really? Right now. Uh, we nobody's working together for the interests of the country. We're all debating it. We don't know what direction uh, yeah. we are going. And there are people who are afraid. The people are concerned. And they don't care about all of this hanky-panky. And this, this yeah. conversations and debates that we have, they want to find something solid to stand on, a platform that's moving in a direction that they can predict and breathe. Right, I know. So who... Who are those people? <laughs> I don't know, but I, we just call them American people. They're you and me, and they're people like us. We must all be concerned about where we're going. Absolutely, Henry. Yeah. It's kind of a, yeah. it's a difficult time. Well, we're running a little behind. I had a very unusual story schedule, and I'm going to save it for after the break, and then we'll uh, get into our X-Files in the next segment. The X-Files are all Michigan stories, by the way. Oh, Oh, yay! Anyway. (laughs) Florida stories? (laughs) Nope, nope. It's it's all a Michigan man, and... and, that it's it's going to be interesting. Anyway, um, we are going to take a short break uh, and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. 
if you're streaming us we have some messages as well and then we'll return with uh, a very interesting story about the president and uh, Mount Rushmore and the X-Files hey. <laughs> this is the unknown comic and guess what you're listening to the Tom Sumner show right now and now and now too and even now The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And before we get to uh, the X-Files, which is how we always uh, end Armchair Politics, uh, a story uh, left over from from, uh, a little earlier. White House aides reached out to South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem last year about the process of adding additional presidents to Mount Rushmore, according to the New York (laughs) Times. According to a uh, person familiar who spoke with the Times, Noam then greeted Trump when he arrived in the state for his uh, July 4th celebrations at the monument with a four-foot replica of Mount Rushmore that included his face. (laughs) Noam has noted before Trump's dream to have his face on Mount Rushmore, the Coolidge uh, era sculpture that features the uh, 60-foot tall faces of Presidents George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. According to a 2018 interview with Nome, the two struck up a conversation about the sculpture in the Oval Office during their uh, first meeting, where she initially thought he was joking. I started laughing, she said. He wasn't laughing, so he was totally serious. He said, Christy, come on over here, shake my hand. And uh, so I shook his hand, and I said, Mr. President, you should come to South Dakota sometime. We have Mount Rushmore. And he says, do you know it's my dream to have my face on Mount Rushmore? (laughs) Trump also toyed with the idea of adding himself to Mount Rushmore in 2017 at a campaign rally in Youngstown, Ohio, during his July 4th speech uh, to supporters in South Dakota, Trump fiercely defended Mount Rushmore, which activists and native tri- tribal leaders have long criticized for its history and purpose, saying it will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. As we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, Trump warned. A White House official noted to the New York Times that Mount Rushmore is a federal, not a state, monument. What's what's more of an X-file, President Trump on Mount Rushmore or him making a Gettysburg address? <laughs> I, so much Trump. <laughs> I believe Trump could have been uh, trying to be humorous about that. His, oh, it's knowing Trump, having I'm his face sure. on Mount Rushmore—that yeah. is not decided by anyone's 
person. That's divided by a system, a government. Yeah, I don't think George Washington uh, mentioned in his farewell address that someday he'd be on Mount Rushmore. And this is not a criticism of the president either. It's supporting. No, but it does speak to his. Tend to be with his dry humor sometimes. If he, you know, it does speak to his narcissism a little bit, Henry, because people don't generally nominate themselves. Yeah. To be remembered that way, so so you can't you. You shouldn't. You shouldn't use that as an argument against his ego or whatever. We all have. Well, didn't didn't Trump nominate himself for the Nobel Prize a year or two ago? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, we got we got to move on. I want to squeeze in the X Files because they're all from Michigan today. A Michigan woman celebrated her 103rd birthday and being sprung from lockdown at, uh, at a nursing home by trying something new, getting her first tattoo. Dorothy Pollock <laughs> celebrated her 103rd birthday in COVID-19 lockdown at a Muskegon nursing home June 16th, and her family said they soon realized they needed to get her back out into the world. Pollock celebrated her freedom Friday by getting her first tattoo, a small frog, on her arm. It was pretty exciting because years ago my grandson wanted me to get one and I wouldn't do it, Pollock said. All of a sudden I decided I would like to have one, and if I could, a frog, because I like frogs. Ray Reasoner Jr. of AWOL Custom Tattooing in Muskegon said Pollock is the oldest person he has ever tattooed. She took it like a champ. I didn't even see her wince. Maybe she had half a wince once, he said. <laughs> Pollock followed up her uh, first body ink with another personal first, taking a motorcycle ride. The centenarian said she and her family are now planning further adventures. Oh, that's great. A tattoo, really? Couldn't she just throw back a beer like other centenarians? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like this chick's attitude because she's she's alive, yeah. she's well, she's positive, right. and she has a good sentiment. Yeah, that's really great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that when you get a tattoo, your body's immune system goes into high gear. Uh, so maybe she's helping herself. Maybe. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a good point. Well. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, a Michigan man said he has a leaky car tire to thank for his winning a million-dollar jackpot from a scratch-off lottery ticket. Ooh. The Ionia County man told Michigan lottery officials he stopped at the mobile gas station in Weberville because he was having trouble keeping one of his tires inflated. Uh, He he said, uh, I was having trouble with a tire going low on my car, so I stopped to fill it up and buy a sandwich, and that's when I got the ticket, the man said. I scratched the ticket in the car and got so excited I forgot to even eat the sandwich. (laughs) The the winner said he plans to use use his money to pay bills, help his family, and bolster his savings. Do you think he might consider a new set of tires? Uh, yeah, that might be a good investment. <laughs> yeah. Love these. These are great. Well, one fitness freak in Ann Arbor, Michigan, turned to Reddit to get their fix by saying, "Any uh, anybody want a home gym partner or know of a speakeasy gym? They asked, assuring readers in a follow-up post, not a cop. 
That is exactly what a cop would say, responded someone in the thread. Welcome to the COVID-19 prohibition era, when gym rats have gone underground. Governments can legislate all they want, but prohibiting stuff with eager buyers and sellers is super hard, says Jeffrey Myron, an economist at Harvard University who has spent three decades studying prohibitions. Myron, who uh, these days is legally working out in his basement, says there's a simple lesson that emerges from his studies. Prohibitions don't eliminate things, they drive them underground. And that comes with a whole host of unintended consequences. Could you ever have imagined underground fitness centers? Uh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, in the 70s, uh, during the threat of uh, nuclear war, perhaps. Oh, that's, that's true. Another kind of underground, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics, unless uh, anybody has to add. Did we miss anything from your list, uh, Paul? I don't think so, as I recall. I don't believe so. I wish they would well, stop well. referring to Kamala Harris as African-American. Let's show a little bit of uh, understanding of the overall picture here. She's a Thank woman you. of color, but she's, um, she's Asian-American, Jamaican-American. Uh, we got to acknowledge all the different American. She's Everything. American. That's right. You know, I, can I just... Uh, I've been hard on our president and critical, and it doesn't look like I've ever been supporting him well, but I I want you guys to know that I think the president has tried uh, to keep our economy uh, the strongest in the world, to keep our borders secure and our military strong. He is persistent in trying to stand up to China and always put America first. Now, that's a lot to think about. So he has not been a throwaway president. He's had some uh, conditions that uh, we wish that would not have evolved. Like, for example, it didn't work well with the Democrats in Congress, but then they didn't work well with him either. But I still well, Henry, have hope. Henry, that, I think you've yeah. been admirably um, supportive of the president over the last four years during the campaign and throughout his presidency so far. But... Uh, you know, the, the, the problem with um, President Trump is, you know, you've raised some criticisms, but he's uh, unable to accept criticisms. And that's the biggest problem I have. Everybody is entitled to criticize uh, policy and uh, issues and, and uh, people who hold high offices. And I, I don't think you've uh, done the president any disservice at all. Yep, well said. Anyway, I agree. That um, Henry, that wraps it up. But thanks so much for. Uh, oh, there's Henry right now. Let's see if I can very quickly get him back in here. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, welcome back, Henry. We just have a, a split thank second you. here, but I wanted to say, Henry, thank you for uh, being on the show today. Paul Rosicki as well. Good to be here. And Jan, you guys always- are really great. This is a great staff. I love you guys. And Take care, uh, Henry. I think of you when I saw um, Biden and Kamala. All right. Take, <laughs> Take care, everybody, and stay Henry. safe. I appreciate that. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. 
We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.